Hello and welcome to the podcast for Real Life Heroines with Susanna Liller. Join us bi-weekly as alongside of you, we work toward answering the call, knowing that stepping into our destiny always involves going into the unknown and exploring new landscapes. This show talks about those new landscapes, what it took to get there, and the real challenges that take place for most of us along the journey. Heroines don't stay in their comfort zone. They follow their inner guidance to grow and evolve. From the School for Real Life Heroines, your host, Susanna Liller. Hello, everyone. Thank you for being here. I'm Susanna Liller, and this is the podcast for Real Life Heroines, where I get, I have the honor of talking with heroines who have crossed over the threshold from what they know into something they don't know, into the unknown, and have to deal with what's ever on the other side of that threshold. And today I'm privileged to talk with Linda Lancaster Carey. Linda, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to speak with you and your audience. So Linda, I'm gonna read a little bit about you. You're gonna be telling us about you and, and what's been going on, but let me just read from your bio, which I have right here. Linda Carey is the president of the Tutu Project. And yes, everyone, it's T-U-T-U, Tutu, like the Ballerina Tutu Project, a breast cancer nonprofit. She has worked for over 25 years as a manager and still photography producer for commercial and editorial assignments for Bob Carey Photography, which is why in talking with Linda about my background, I had to check with her and make sure <laughs> she didn't see anything that she would want to adjust. She says it's okay. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. Good texture. Um, since being diagnosed with breast cancer for the first time in 2003, and yes, I said for the first time in 2003, Linda emerged from behind the scenes as a voice advocate and inspiration for others touched by the disease. As co-founder of the Tutu Project, she has led wildly successful digital campaigns. She'll tell us how amazingly wild they were, wildly successful, including 2015's Dare to Tutu and written compelling articles for like-minded outlets. She speaks at conferences about living with metastatic breast cancer as a chronic disease, so she still has breast cancer, and about how art and photography have helped her cope with her diagnosis. And she also works with AstraZeneca Life Beyond Pink program, has spoken at Cleveland Clinic's patient experience, which I think she told me was the scariest one, so many people absolutely <laughs> two thousand people almost oh, had me. oh yeah and and talk about the heroine crossing the threshold when she first started on this journey she wasn't talking to any big any audience at all and then she has spoken at the Texas Christian University's pink luncheon and at the end I'll be sure to tell you how to 
find her website and um, which is hers and her husband, Bob's, who's intimately involved with her in all of this intimately. Um, so I will tell you, Linda, that I just watched the recently watched the TED talk that he gave, which is quite the TED talk. Um, which one did you watch? I watched the one where he, it was, I think, Texas. So he was up on the stage where he had forgotten his prime prop and he had to put it on or are they do they all start like that no he did three he did one in um dc at the kennedy center and one in munich and the other one was in um greece but i don't think they ever um released that because it they could have, could have been munich could have been okay munich. yeah did he drop his shorts because he yes, usually yes. does that or just to <laughs> clarify he drops his shorts but he does have clothes on underneath them <laughs> <laughs> okay so yeah what a guy in many ways so even before I start asking you and what I'd like to do is for you to tell me kind of that about that first explosion of what happened to you and then the result and um the wildly successful stuff um and then the second piece if you talk about well, who are you now and what's going on? Who's Linda? Which heroine's journey for everybody, it's it's so much about discovering the real you, which is a, a process. It continues to shift. And Linda spoke very eloquent to me um, when we talked about doing this, about who she is now. Um, but before I go to those two pieces, and then the last piece being sharing your information, I just have to share, Linda, what happened this morning. And, you know, when you talk about the ripple effect of, of being who you are and sharing who you are, you just never know where they will go, those ripples. And a ripple came to my corner of Maine this very morning. A friend had well, I had found out that a friend was ill and I didn't know anything more about it than that. So I texted her. She texted back. Can we talk? This morning we talked at 7.30. And she told me she has breast cancer and she had just discovered it. And, um, and as she said this to me, she said also, I'm never sick. I'm so healthy. The last time I was in the hospital, was 40 years, 50 years ago when my son was born. So big shock to her. She's going in to have a love bank to me tomorrow, has asked that this will go out after that, but she has asked for what we give as white light to surround her. But I was able to tell her about you, Linda, and about the Tutu Project. And I know that what she will, I sent her the link. I know that it will help her to learn about it. So I don't believe in coincidences. Um, I think it's fabulous that that you and I connected and I was able to connect her with you. Well, I, it's always hard to hear those words that you have cancer. My heart goes out to her. And um, I, I'm happy to talk to her or anyone that needs to talk. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons I do what I do. Yeah, I, I know. Stuff. Right. So, but you didn't choose your adventure. 
Um, <laughs> we talk about the heroine's journey as an adventure. You know, some heroines choose like to do something hard and cross the threshold and maybe choose another job or leave an unhappy marriage. And some get thrown into their adventure, like Dorothy got the tornado. You got thrown in. So, and yeah, why don't you just, if you could um, relate your story about how that happened, if you would. I would be happy to. Um, in 2003, my husband and I moved from Phoenix, Arizona to Brooklyn, which was quite a change, but we thought that we were 42 and that's, people thought we were crazy because at 42, you know, you're, you're supposed to be settling into your life, but we knew there was something else for us out there. Um, we're not, we weren't sure what that something else was, but we knew it was out there for us. And then eight months after we moved, I was diagnosed with breast cancer, which was startling because I had, I was 42, you know I mean? And as your friend, I was healthy. I had no problems. I mean, there's no family history. Um, and I've learned since then that that doesn't necessarily mean you're not going right. to get breast right. cancer. So my husband's a photographer and he started this project um, pro bono project with a ballet company in Arizona. And he he's not afraid of putting himself in um, unusual situations. So we had a tutu made and it's, it's not, I don't know how if I can describe it, but it was a beautiful black and white picture from the back of him in a tutu. It was well received. And um, he said, well, you know, I may use this as a prop because his work is all about transformation into something that you're not. And, and Linda, can I just say, it's so perfect, again, as I was watching his um, TED talk that, you know, heroin's journey is about how we transform, and that's what he's about. And yeah, so I'm sorry, keep going. No, 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 it's okay. Um, so during, so he said, well, I'm going to throw this into the van and... Um, uh, maybe it might fit that I start taking some more self-portraits in color. And he did. The first one was in Santa Fe as we drive across the country to this new life. And then he did a few more as sort of like his response to what it was like to live in an urban area. Cause you go from suburban Phoenix and then you go to Brooklyn. I mean, that's a huge difference, but it was, it was so exciting. And then I got the news that I had breast cancer and it's like, okay, what do I do now? I mean, I knew a handful of people. I didn't have any doctors. Fortunately, I had just changed my insurance to New York insurance. Hmm. And so I did the, you know, found a doctor, um, went through learning the language. I had treatment and for 18 months I had treatment and then I was done and walked out of the cancer center thinking that I was done with it. It was kind of weird too, because I had someone holding my hand for 18 months and then all of a sudden I was on my own. And that was a little, and I remember the moment so well is on 15th street between eighth and ninth was my cancer center in the city and walking out, it was like, there was a sense of freedom, but also a sense of fear. And, but you know what? I was like, okay, what's next? And it got back into my life. I had this idea of starting a production company and, and I did a couple of jobs as a, a freelance producer. And then I had the strange feeling in December of that year, this was 2006, I wasn't sick, I was having no symptoms, but something told me to call my nurse specialist and say, I need my tumor markers run early. They weren't due until February. And she said, why? I said, 
I just need you to do it. I need you to listen to me. I said, my body's telling me something. And, and I was diagnosed with um, my breast cancer, metastatic breast cancer. And what that is, is when your breast cancer moves to somewhere else in your body, generally your bones, your liver, your brain, or um, that's for breast cancer. I mean, it can go other places, but those are the um, areas. And mine moved to my liver. Mm. And it was terrifying because I didn't, again, not only, okay, so I knew the beginning stages of the um, conversation and the language. And now I had to think of like, okay, so what does this mean? Does this mean I'm going to die? And um, I mean, there's always a possibility. The statistics are um, two to five years. And my doctor had never talked to me about this being a possibility, but knowing what I know now, the chances of coming back were so strong with, with my, um, you know, my pathology report and all of that. It was, it was, it's no surprise that it came back. Oh, so Linda, so did they, does this, and I don't, I don't know. Is this like, did they tell you it was stage four or stage? What was stage, that? They said it was stage four. Yeah. And, so that's, hmm. and, but they didn't say much else, you know, it's like, okay, so what does that mean? You know, and I kind of had to find that out on my own. You know, it was really devastating. Not only learning that I had stage four, um, my nurse specialist stopped me in the middle of the hallway in this big hospital. And she said, well, you know, you can't be in this uh, support group any longer. I said, what are you talking about? She said, well, that's for beginning stage. And now you have metastatic and you, don't, you can't go there. And what I'm hearing is I don't belong. Oh. And that was, and, and I understand I was those, those women's not worst nightmare because right. when I was in that group, had someone walked in with metastatic disease, that person would have been my worst nightmare, but it was just unsettling to be told in the cold, sterile environment of oh, a hospital hallway. Right. But I'm hoping that there was a support group for people with stage four. Unfortunately, there wasn't. Jeez. So I had to just kind of swim on my own. They did have, what I did take advantage of is they had writing classes, they had meditation, they had um, acupuncture, and I use those services a lot to help, I don't know, stabilize my mind and my body. Yeah. But okay, so back to... So my husband has this tutu and he's been taking pictures of it. And I started back on chemo, which was- Can I interrupt you for a second okay. again? So I want people to get the picture in their heads. Yes, he put the tutu on, pink tutu. He didn't have anything on, on top, right? And he's <laughs> almost always barefoot, bare-legged, bare, I mean, we're talking Bob and tutu and nothing else. So exactly. Just, you talk about being vulnerable that because he's, he's a burly guy. I mean, he's right. Not, Hairy he's, chest. <laughs> yeah. okay. let, me, let me clarify. He does have um, underwear and pink shorts underneath the tutu because we right. found out that was probably a really good idea to yeah. do that. It's not like the Scotsman with the kilt. Right. Okay. I will stop interrupting. Well, so um, by that time, so this was three years after we had moved there. Um, he had taken more pictures again in his response to living in an urban area and feeling alone and isolated and very vulnerable, which um, sh really is shows in his early work. But I, it's boring at chemo. I know that sounds crazy, but you're there for four or five hours. And 
So I would take my computer and show the images to women and just start the conversation. And they really resonated with these women. They saw these emotions and they felt that, you know, that isolation. And then the, there's a lot of humor, of course, because there's this grown man in a tutu that probably shouldn't be in a, well, I want to say shouldn't, but normally would not be in a tutu. And I took this home, the story home to Bob and he said, you know what we should do? He should, we should get a book, um, we could create a book, have it published and have it in all the cancer centers across the U.S. And I'm thinking that's great. And I also think, <laughs> thinking, because I am the producer and manager, I, you know, do the, the detail stuff. I'm thinking, oh, yeah. okay, I'm in chemo. I don't want to have to do this. But <laughs> once we talked about it, it seemed like a good idea. And, and then he continued to shoot. You know, he traveled a lot. This was really amazing. We had just moved to New York, as I mentioned, and we didn't, we're self-employed. So we didn't have a lot of clients, but Phoenix, they were so amazing over these first couple of years. Bob said, just pretend I'm still a local photographer. I'll get myself back there. I have a car that I can use. And they really supported us. So he was traveling a lot. And in this travel, he would always have his tutu. As a matter of fact, and this is always funny, as I'm helping him pack, I'd say, do you have your tutu? And <laughs> um, which, I mean, which is kind of a funny conversation. It is funny because usually it's, did you remember the toothpaste in your toothbrush? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, this was a tutu. We used to jam it into a Ziploc bag. Um, so, he, so we had a body of work and we started thinking, okay, so what can we do with this? And, and I'm going to backtrack a little bit because this, this moment will kind of circle around to what has happened. I remember after the support group that, okay, it felt like I got kicked out of. So I'm just going to stick with that. That I got kicked out of, um, this woman and I were walking to the subway and we started this conversation about people asking us what we were going to do now that we had cancer. I always thought that was a strange question, but there are many strange questions I get asked. And it's like, what am I going to do? I'm going to live my life. I mean, it, but I also recognize at this moment, and it's something that I threw out into the universe. I said, okay, if, if there's something that I need to do, please help me recognize it if it comes into my life. And I didn't know what that meant. I just like opened myself up to that possibility. So back to, at, you know, those three years later, taking the images into work and, or into chemo, which I guess kind of is work. Um, That's hard work. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting how your mind can um, make things okay after a few years, you can kind of forget some of the bad part of it. And I felt a little like a veteran because I'd already been through 18 months of treatment. Um, so we tried different things. A friend of ours was a publisher at HarperCollins. She brought, the, we had a literary agent, which did not help us at all, because it was a very unique story. It was about how this man put on a tutu. Well, first, it was about his art. And then how using this tutu really helped us have something to focus on and get us get out of our heads. And of course, some of the pictures were really funny. And I recognize caregivers are often overlooked. They say it's usually about the patient, but I also, which is really weird to think of myself as a patient, but I guess I am. Um, they're overlooked and I recognize when he needed to get out of the house and I'd say, just take your tutu and just go on a road trip for a day or two. So we had this body of work, the agent didn't work. It was 2008, we were getting ready to um, sign a contract and then you know the economy tanked. 
And it was the best thing, not the economy tank, that was really hard on our business, but it was the best thing that happened to us because we wouldn't have had the control on this over this book had a publisher been part of it, nor would we have been able to use the money. That's so and interesting for you to say that and for everybody to hear, because often we think, oh no, calamity. And it can be the best thing when you look at it. So yeah, glad you made that point. It was, it, you know, I'm, I don't know how, I, I'm sure this will spill out. It's like how I look at things, but um, it just happened. So we got through 2008, like, what do we do with this body of work? He continued, he would speak at different, um, he spoke at like ICP, International Center for Photography in the city. A friend of his heart um, did a class on portraiture, I believe. And he would bring that work in and share it with him and just different places in the city he'd speak. So we're just kind of cruising along. I'm now I'm in treatment. I'm going to be in treatment for the rest of my life and just figuring out what that meant um, and how we fit that into our life. And then we didn't we didn't know what to do with this work because we didn't we didn't know. That's all I can say is we didn't know. So in December of 2011, some of our friends in Phoenix said, listen, you have this great body of work. You have to try one more time to do something with it. It's like, okay, what can we do? And we had put on a, a huge gallery opening for Bob in Phoenix. ASU gave us their experimental gallery and we sold prints to help um, put on this I mean it was huge gallery and we needed a lot of money to put this on so we sold prints at a discounted price as sponsorships and we I think raised sixteen thousand dollars to be able to put on this enormous show so we thought what if we take this concept and use it to get a book published and so we did and we also said that um people would get a book and a print and it was amazing how inexpensive it was it was five hundred dollars it there are some things that I would now <laughs> I've learned that should have been a little different, but it's okay because it still worked. So let's see. We started talking about this in January and February. And then in March, we sent out a letter. This is back when Facebook, you could extract the email addresses. Obviously, you can no longer do that. No. I had like 1,300 of Bob's email addresses. Sent out this mission statement. I had this really amazing writer help me write it and um, sent it out. It got picked up by the Daily News. They interviewed us. And this was really weird, okay? Because I don't know, it's just weird to be interviewed. And then Yahoo, uh, and photographed. I mean, I'm always, I'm, being, I, I'm the woman behind the scenes. Right. You know? And I'm okay with that. Right. You had been in this little bubble, carrying it around, and then the bubble burst. <laughs> in the... Grand, most grandiose of ways. <laughs> so we sent it out. And before the night before we decided to do this, I, again, I have this great office. As you can see, you can see a lot of this nature behind me, but there's a window in front of me. And I was just looking out, it was a winter day. And I'm thinking, okay, you know what? I have no idea what any of this means. I have no idea what I'm doing, but I know that I have people I can talk to. And I'm just going to like, I, like threw it out there again, that whatever happened, we'd figure it out or I'd figure out how to find solutions to whatever that was, that great unknown. So we sent it out, Yahoo called after the daily news. Um, it was very exciting. We were on their homepage, didn't know what that meant either. This is 2012, you know, we're just getting into 
Right. Internet and social you must media. have been, were you afraid? I mean, was it scary or I, I hear that you didn't know anything and you, you know, were just sort of winging it, but were you afraid? Sometimes it's better not to know, I think, because then you don't, you don't, you don't want to be afraid of, right? I have right, no idea right. what was going to happen. Good. So yeah. we just trusted that whatever happened and the same friend that told us we needed to do something with the project. She said, Linda, this is going to be big. It's like, how do you know this is going to be big? She said, well, because of your story and Bob supporting you with this two, these two, two pictures and you taking them out into a community. She said, there's something there. So fast forward to Yahoo. It, um, it crashed our website, which is not saying much because our website, again, we had no idea how to do a website and it's hysterical. I have screenshots of it still because it was only one page. Um, but we were selling shirts, t-shirts with our logo on them and postcards with the pictures. And then of course the print and the books, I mean, to um, the sponsorship part of it to raise money to produce this book. And the idea at, initially was we would take proceeds from that book and donate it somewhere. Well, it really exploded after that. And we said, okay, well, maybe we should start a nonprofit. And it's like, oh yeah, great. I have no idea what that means, but we went ahead, hired a lawyer. We um, got our nonprofit status fairly fast. And then I mentioned in International Center of Photography that Bob spoke at. Well, he made friends with this producer from the Today Show. And he had said, Bob, if this, if you ever decide to do something with this, make sure you call me because his uh, girlfriend had had breast cancer. And he says, I want to do a really good story on this. So he sold it to his producers. Okay, so this is from March to May. And we, what we, in those few months, we really went viral. It was insane. And so they, the producers agreed. We were on the Today Show. And I'll speak about fear in a minute. So <laughs> back to what you said. Um, they did seven and a half minutes, which is huge on a morning show. Um, part of it was a video that this producer and Bob created, and it was really beautiful video. And then it was the interview. And I'm thinking, uh, I want to be on the Today Show. I don't want to know how many millions of people watch the show. And I have no idea what to say. You know, talk about fear. It was like lodged in my <laughs> gut. It's like, But I had a friend. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say. So you're sitting on the couch next to Matt Lauer. Is I think he was there then, right? I mean, yeah. you and Bob are okay. Getting it in my across from him, and and um, oh, I forgot her name. She was sitting behind us on off the set. Um, I'm so sad. I Samantha, no, no, well, Samantha. Samantha did do um, I think something on our video. Anne, Anne, really, right? Really sweet woman. She was fired not long after right. this. It, for yes. whatever, it whatever was reason. Mm -hmm. So she's sitting back there, and I'd already met Al Roker, and which was very surreal to be <laughs> have this man, and he's a lot shorter than he looks on TV. Really? <laughs> yes. And um, so I, I let me see. I'll break up back up rather. A friend of mine works as a publisher and she had many of her authors on the Today Show. And she said, make sure you ask them what they're going to ask you. Give them a list of even five questions. So I did. And she gave me some hints and I didn't memorize my answers, but at least I knew what they were going to go for 
and I had something prepared. So if my mind like froze, I would be, I would have what I needed in front, you know, in my head somewhere rolling around. And that work, it was so exciting. You know, it was really exciting because the car picked us up. I had oh. my makeup done Gosh. and oh, it was heaven. We were treated like, I don't know, not like Linda and Bob Carey. Uh, <laughs> Can you imagine just going from where you were, taking this chance on doing this, and then ending up there, I can imagine you, it was surreal. It was so surreal, as were the years after that. We've had so many amazing experiences. So we get home, and the first person, well, first, our Facebook page exploded. We sold $60,000 worth of prints in one day, which oh. gave us the money we needed to publish the book. Oh. Um, what a story. What a story. It doesn't even feel like mine, honestly, because we're just regular people. Um, the first call I took was from the senior vice president of Bloomingdale's. She said, we'd like to work with you or just talk to you about the possibility of work with you because they have a campaign in October, give more. Um, I can't believe I just so screwed that up. Um, get paint, give more. And it's to raise money for research and for um people that need help financially. October so, is the raise money for breast cancer and breast cancer awareness month, right? Yes. Which is coming up in about a month. Yes. Okay. Which makes me, my heart palpitate thinking that it's so soon. <laughs> um, so we spoke with her. I had honestly the emails. I spent so much time on my computer. We hired a PR person, which didn't really work out. I learned quickly how to be my own PR person and or our PR person and just spent a lot of time learning. And we got that we were able to get the nonprofit. So um, let me had to figure out what that meant. Because you have, of course, run many nonprofits before, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like zero. It was just going to be quick. I was, was going to jump right into this. I did jump into it, but I really didn't know what I was doing. Sometimes I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, so the next few years were really interesting because we had a lot of um, press. We were in a commercial, I think a year later it was, in um, Germany, uh, Telecom, which is the Ver Verizon at the time, was the, I think it was the parent company of Telecom. And they hired us to be in their commercial about how you share the story through the internet. It wasn't about a product, it was about the internet. And I want you to tell you, talk about Surreal. They ran that commercial for six months. After three months, well, first they, um, they came to our house, which was really cool because I'm in photography. I didn't know much about the video side. So it was very cool to have like 40 people descend upon our house and within an hour, all set up. It was so exciting. And then the next day we shot in the city, they flew us to Germany, but they had already been showing this commercial, but we were gonna shoot again in Berlin. It was honestly the craziest experience because one of the flight attendants on the flight knew who we were and we got to the airport and this TSA guy knew who we were and we went back to the hotel and of course we were treated like royalty there um and then we went for a walk that night and someone 
ran across the street and gave Bob a really big hug. And the the stories I could just tell you just went on and on and on. And it was and like, it, whose life is this? Right. And it strikes me, you get breast cancer in a bad way and you become famous and have this big life and get the money you need to help people even more. It just, yeah, it's amazing. It, it was it was really crazy. But out of this trip, the one thing that I had a problem with is they didn't want me to stay metastatic breast cancer because, you know, with ad people, they want to make it look sound pretty. Well, breast cancer is not pretty. So um, I, the only way I could get around saying it is if I wasn't edited. So we went on a talk show and the evil Linda came up or not even evil. I just felt like I felt like I needed to be represented as well as other women that were living with metastatic disease. They need, people needed to be educated what that was. So we were on this talk show and we were going on and I threw the word metastatic breast cancer and they couldn't do anything because we were live. And it's like, yes, okay, I can figure out how we're going to get this across. But one of the most beautiful moments out of all of the moments, we were shooting somewhere and of course, a crowd came around us because, you know, we were new. This guy was in a tutu. And this woman came up to me and she said, you know, thank you. She said, and this is really about you. I know that your husband is um, in a tutu and everything he's doing, but thank you from, from women. Thank you. And that, she gave me a huge hug and I can practically still feel this hug. It was just a really beautiful moment, which... I've had so many of those beautiful kind of moments. I think, yeah, so that leads us to, it's about you. You know, Bob is wonderful and what he has done is wonderful. And he's, the the photographs are amazing. Um, but it is, it's about Linda. And, um, you know, one thing you told me was that while you were going through all this, and and let's just be clear, you're still going through it. You still have it. It's a chronic disease. You're still taking chemo for it. And I guess, am I right in saying you always will have to? I will always have to be on it. I'm on a targeted medication. I was able to stop a chemo pill a few years ago. And, um, and I mentioned statistics before two to five years, I never was about statistics because I figured this was my journey and my body. And I am an outlier or a unicorn now because I've, it's been, it's almost 16 years that I've been living with metastatic disease. And wow. it's hard to say because it is a terminal illness, right? And, and it's always like, well, is it chronic? And, and it really, there's so many, you know, like with anything these days, people want to say the right word it's chronic because I, I will be in treatment for the rest of my life. Um, I guess I want to say terminal because there, I want to honor the women right now that are out there that are really having um, a difficult time with their medication or facing their um, diagnosis. Is mine chronic? Probably. You know, they, I have no evidence of disease because the medication is working. So it's, I feel yeah. to say yeah. that I'm grateful mm -hmm. is an understatement. Right. So, so you, you told me that to, in order to get through it, you did a lot of journaling and drawing and, and how did that help you? And where are you with that now? And I guess, where are you now, Linda, with 
your journey, what would you say? Um, well, one thing is the journey always continues. I think, I always think that there's going to be like this end game. It's not, there's always, because, you know, as it is, life goes up and down. And um, so journaling just gave me a space to just dump because there were so many things that I could not say to my family or friends because it's scary. I mean, I, I've had family members have cancer. And I guess since I have cancer that makes it easier for me to speak to them but I'm just going to pretend I didn't have it and listening to someone speak very openly and in a very raw manner would be hard so I had to put a lot of that on paper and there, there was a writing class at the center and um, that helped a great deal and there was this moment Bob's father had died we went back to Phoenix for his funeral and it was hard because people would keep telling me, oh, you look so great. And I'm thinking, I had just been diagnosed maybe a year ago with metastatic disease. And it really angered me. And I understand completely people do not know what to say. I embraced that since then. But I was full of this anger. And I came back in this writing class. I had written so much. Oh, she was amazing. Um, teacher, mentor. And took everything that I felt from that and we put it into writing and myself and another um, breast cancer, our person that was living with breast cancer, they put it into a play and they took our words into, um, I think a lot of it was on Long Island, into um, hospitals to teach nurses. This is a patient point of view. And mm -hmm. I had forgotten all about this until we're taking this journey. Mm -hmm. um, and to interns and residents. And I was really happy that, um, I, I was hoping that I could help one of those people. So when they talk to a patient, perhaps right. they could be more human. Yeah, because people don't know. And, and also the whole medical community, they're so stressed and rushing. And yeah, so I'm sure it did help. I hope so, I hope so. Um, so I use, I use my journaling. This woman was really great. Um, it was unfortunate when she had to, um, she had a new job and she wasn't able to do it, but we still stayed in contact. And then, um, I had a pad of paper. I had taken dance therapy before in Phoenix and it really helped me a lot. And a lot of it was just about movement and not so many words, but just getting what you're feeling out, just your movement. And then we'd have this big pad of newsprint and I love pastels. So I would go back to the paper and draw whatever I was feeling. So I did a lot of that and I pulled them out the other day and, and I haven't really shared them with many people. Um, I mean, they're not great works of art by any means, but they're what I felt at the time. And so they're still really emotional and maybe I won't ever share them with anyone because sometimes it's not like I want to, I mean, I understand what I'm living with. I'm very realistic about that, but sometimes there's the ugly parts of it that I just don't want to revisit mm. because it's okay. Cause they're out, you yeah. know, and do I want to hang on to that? I'm not sure. So in a way, the way you were dumping what was hard in words, you also dumped what was hard in pictures and drawings. Yeah. So, okay. So then here you are living your life, being still the director of the, the president of the nonprofit, 
part of your business with Bob. Um, what's your identity? <laughs> I know you, I know you want to say that you're not cancer. You're not Linda, the cancer patient. Who's Linda? I ask myself that frequently and I'll ask it a lot after October because, um, Who's Linda? Well, I I am living with breast cancer. I um, there's a lot of times people want to put labels, you know, survivor, thriver, you know, there's a multitude of names, but I'm I don't I'm, none of that fits me. I'm living with cancer. That's that's all it is. Um, it's I and and I chose to work in this nonprofit, and so people do identify me obviously as someone who's living with breast cancer. So I have to really remind myself all the time, like, who am I? You know, I look in the mirror and like really look, I don't know if you've ever done this, just like really stare at your eyes. It's a very weird feeling, but who am I? And I have to remind myself, like, who am I? I am not cancer. And people say, well, I'm not defined by it, but in actuality I am because my life is working around the treatments. So in that manner, I'm identified, I mean, I'm, um, I'm defined by my cancer, but the rest of my life, I'm not. I, I hike from the early on when I lived in Brooklyn, I don't live there anymore. Um, going to the cancer center, there's, you know, gazillion subway steps to get out of the subway. And each time I would say each step is a step against breast cancer. And I would do that because I probably wasn't feeling well. And that really helped. And I still do that. I go hiking. And if there's a hard trail I, I put that back into my head just to keep cancer away yeah and so who's Linda um I check in a lot with that um it's more difficult the latter part of the year because I'm entrenched a lot in speaking to you have fundraisers and I'm speaking there and I'm okay with it it's just after October I really have to step back and last year I decided that, okay, the day, November 1st, I was going on a hike and I was only taking my dog with me and I wasn't, there was no phone. I told my husband generally where I was going. I said, I'm going to be gone all day. I said, this is my day. Cause I really need to get myself back into Linda. And it was beautiful. I kind of got lost. So it was even longer of <laughs> a day, but it was a really beautiful. Um, and it was winter hadn't set in yet. So it was like this lingering fall afternoon and it was great. Mm -hmm. um, so I asked myself, like I mentioned, the journey with me is, you know, is ongoing. Right, which it is. And, and identity is something as we experience things and learn things, it keeps shifting and shifting. I think, well, I know that I have to ask you one more question and then be done, but the times when you said, I think they were spiritual almost moments for you when you said, whatever it is I'm supposed to be doing, let me do it. And boy, I think you got listened to and directed as a result. But um, okay, Linda, we've shared a lot. You've talked to me about so many important, vital, interesting things. Everybody listening, if they could only remember one thing that you have said, what do you want to make sure, or even if you haven't said it, what do you want to make sure that people hear from you? About myself or just a lesson that I've learned? And, right. In general, women, 
men, whoever listening. That's a tough one because there's probably more than one. Yeah. <laughs> um, if it's around cancer, you know, um, I don't know because there's so many, I know there's so many different levels of cancer, but if it comes to like taking care of yourself with cancer is be your own advocate and ask those questions and over and over again until you understand the answers. And if you don't understand the answers or don't feel like you're getting the right answer, find another doctor. Those are really important. And if you can't ask those questions by yourself, take someone in that can help you be, and that can be your advocate. I think this is really, really important. And I don't know, there's, I could get shot down by some people, but hope, I truly believe in hope. Not in the, like, not in the fairy tale version of hope, but just keeping hope alive in your heart. Mm. Um, it, it's helped me a lot in those really crucial moments. It's hope, you know? And I, one thing that I think that I totally missed in all of this is, the reason why my husband and I started our nonprofit and what it does is because we were in financial, it, cancer is so expensive. And when we started the nonprofit, it's like, okay, who can we help that are in similar situations as us? And just so people understand, we do offer financial and emotional support to patients based on our own experience. Mm -hmm. And um, that has been an interest. That's very humbling. Mm. Mm. So we should say at this point, and again, this will be in the show notes, but I want to say it here. So the Tutu Project is the Tutu, T-U-T-U Project.org. Dot right? com. And dot com, dot com. Okay. And um, Facebook, the Tutu Project. Your Instagram is Linda Lancaster Carey. So always for them to find out more, to get into, to watch, go to Ted, um, Bob Carey, um, lots, you'll, you'll be so inspired when you open up any of this and learn more about what Linda and Bob have been doing. Linda, I have to let you go. I want to thank you so much for saying yes to me and being here. Um, it's an honor to be able to speak with you. Thank you. And I wish you very well, very thank well. You. Many thank blessings you so on your continued heroine's journey. And everyone, thank you for listening, being here. Um, another one of these will happen probably not until our next season, which is season five. So um, just be on the lookout. I'll be announcing when that's going to start. So thanks for joining us and take care. You've been listening to the podcast for real life heroines with Susanna Liller. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to connect with Susanna outside of the show, please do. You can email Susanna at SusannaLillard.com and visit the website at SusannaLillard.com. Let's get social. Instagram at Susanna Liller, Facebook, Susanna Liller, author, speaker, and coach. Don't forget to subscribe to the show for easy access to our next episode. And a like and review would be very helpful. Until next time, remember to follow your inner guidance to grow and evolve.